This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys, I am told, a play-by-play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now here's the host of Play-by-Play Cast, Todd Bodet. Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay, here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. This will be his first attempt this year from over 50 yards. He's 3 of 3 tonight, but those were all inside of 40. From the left hash, 56-yarder, just like last week against Pittsburgh. Kick is blocked! Georgia Tech blocks it! Jackets pick it up back in the 25, and Austin is returning it down the left oh sideline. Past the 50, past the 30, inside the 20, inside the 20, and he scores! He scores! Lance Austin picked up the block kick and returned it all the way to the house of the North End Zone. We've had the miracle on North Avenue. This is the miracle on Techwood Drive. Episode 26 of Play-By-Play Cast. Thanks, as always, for clicking subscribe, download. Joining us once again here, it's a podcast about Play-By-Play Guys, for Play-By-Play Guys, by a Play-By-Play Guy. As always, if you would like to get in touch with the show, house cleaning notes off the top, uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Use the hashtag PXPCast. You can also follow us at PXPCast. You can follow me at Joel Godet. You can email me as well, and I continue to say this. I've never given my email out on this podcast but a lot of you continue to find it, so kudos to those of you that have done that. Our guest today is Brandon Gauden. Uh, we will get to Brandon here in just a little bit, but scene setter for you, first off. I'm currently walking around my office at Ball State University. It is 11 o'clock on Thursday night. Ball State has just finished a women's basketball game with the Purdue Boilermakers. Staring at a green screen painted on my back wall right now. Our student worker, Dylan Thompson, diligently working at his game recap. Yep. That's good. That was good. That was a solid cameo right there. (laughs) Such is the life we lead sometimes in this industry. Uh, Stretch of four games in eight days here at home for the Cardinals, uh, both men's and women's basketball on radio and television. So uh, a little bit going on. But uh, anyway, Brendan Gordon is our guest here this week guy that has three really cool jobs he's the voice of madden he works for westwood one and he works for big 10 network most recently he was the voice of the georgia tech ramblin wreck he replaced west durham there and before he was at georgia tech where he had some i mean monumentally awesome calls some really huge moments that he captured fantastically um before he was at georgia tech he was a butler where he also had some really cool moments that he captured fantastically. And, you know, some parts of this industry are being really good, and Brandon is really good. A tremendous young broadcaster, uh, up-and-coming riser through this industry uh, on his own talents. But parts of this industry, as we talk about a lot on this podcast, everybody's path and journey is irreplicable. It's their own. Uh, There's no right or same way to get to different places. Uh, Some of it is right place, right time. And being at Butler gave Brandon an opportunity to call a lot of big moments and call them really well. And because of that, he wound up in uh, a lot of different sports center top tens and things like that. And through some different happenstance, uh, Brandon will talk about that. That's actually what got his foot in the door 
in a roundabout way to be the voice of Madden and uh, replace Phil Simms and Jim Nance uh, on your video game consoles whenever you uh, hit power. So uh, a lot to get to with Brandon, a lot of really interesting things. We talk about uh, agents toward the end of the podcast. Some people have uh, written in or or tweeted in uh, or or Facebook messaged in or emailed in about uh, wanting to hear a little bit more about the agent process. So we get into that with Brandon Gauden at the end. Talk about his run at Butler, talk about his run at Georgia Tech, talk about big call moments. Uh, But we first start talking about the one thing that I found most intriguing, and it's because... uh, it's part play-by-play, but part something that most of us, all of us, don't get to do on a regular or any basis. And that's to be the voice of a video game. We get to be the voice of the video game when we do it ourselves, when we were 12, sitting in our bedrooms, but not the real one that like comes with the game. So, that's where we start our conversation. It's play-by-play cast this week, here with Brandon Gauden. <sighs> Yeah, it's and the question that everyone has asked is, and I get it, why in the world would Madden choose Brandon Gauden after Jim Nance to come in and do their play-by-play? <laughs> the I guess the the semi-short version is that the producer there at Madden had heard one of my calls when I was, I believe, at Butler on SportsCenter that was on SportsCenter's Top 10 and luckily had remembered my name. And when they were considering moving on from Jim Nance and Phil Sims and going in a different direction, they were going to bring a bunch of people into audition. They were soliciting the people in the office. Who should we bring in, et cetera, et cetera. And this producer remembered my work, looked it up, had everybody listen to it. And they said, well, let's let's just bring him in for an audition as kind of a dark horse. And thankfully got that call, went down there to audition, went down two separate times. And then, you know, last summer, gosh, I guess it's over a year now ago, they called and asked if I wanted to to be the voice on the game. And so I, I, it's one of those situations oftentimes in this business, it's better to be lucky than good and was fortunate to kind of be right place, right time and have that opportunity and feel, you know, I feel incredibly blessed to be a part of the game. It's a, it's really an honor. What is a, what's a video game audition consist of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it was interesting. You, we went into this booth and you're not watching the game. You are, they give you a piece of paper and it has the situation on it. So for instance, it would say, Andrew Luck drops to pass, looks to his right, throws, and that's complete to T.Y. Hilton at the 30. And everywhere where I paused in there is what they call stitching. So they stitch those different sound bites together, call them four or five different sound bites in one play. And hopefully the listener thinks, that it was all called at the same time when in actuality, those four or five sound bites were probably recorded on four to five separate weeks. Um, and so the audition was basically focused on do, can you stay consistent with your tonality while calling a play, but also having the right voice and being excited at the right time. So it was a lot of reading plays with breaks in between what's going on in that individual play. Um, and, and then they basically judge you and say, all right, is that good? Is that bad? Can you work on this? Can you say that differently? Can you get more excited here? Uh, and it was just, a, yeah, just a bunch of going through plays and trying to see if my voice fit with their stitching model and the excitement level that they were looking for. That's great. I mean, it's, it's funny because, like, you think back to, like, video games, I'm thinking, like, 10 years ago because that's still what I play because um, <laughs> I own a GameCube. 
Uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, it, it, I always remember it would be like, you know, uh, the Colts are going for it on third and two. Uh, how, how many different things do you have to read uh, to get that all to, to work out so they can piece things together the right way? Yeah, you read a lot of different things. And by the way, I, I'm with you. I mean, I started video games with Super Tecmo Bowl when, when <laughs> Bo Jackson was running out quarters by evading all tacklers for five minutes. And you had two buttons and a start and select. <laughs> um, so I'm with you. It's it's uh, just real quickly. It's amazing. There's 250 people that work year round on that one video game alone, that Madden game. And so it is such a big animal of which I am such a small part. And there are so many very, very intelligent people that are much smarter than I that have to take all these stitched lines of audio and code them so that they fire in the game correctly. But to your question, one day we will just do quarterback drops. So, for instance, I remember for about 20 minutes just doing Tom Brady drops to pass, Brady out of the gun, Brady this time out of the pistol, Brady three-step drop, Brady five-step drop. And you go through and you do that for each quarterback. And then next you do the pass. Fires right side, throws it over the middle, looks left, and then you do complete or incomplete. And then once you've done all of those components, again, somebody much smarter than me is telling the game to fire those lines as if it is one line back to back to back to back. And hopefully the tone of my voice matches over all these different weeks and months and it sounds fluid. Um, now you also run the risk of sounding a little monotone, but they would rather someone sound monotone at times, but it all sound fluid rather than like you said a moment ago, Brady drops the pass and it's incomplete. And that'll bring up <laughs> third down. You know, you've really got to be careful with being inconsistent there, but it's, it's more a challenge for the people who have to code it and put it together. How hard is it? Because it's not, I mean, it's not play by play in a true essence. You know, it's like one of those things where people always come up to you. My least favorite question is, let's hear a touchdown call. Um, (laughs) I mean, is it in some essence them saying to you, let's hear a touchdown call and you've got to be able to do it? Yeah, it is. It's kind of, you know, the phrase that I've used a lot for it is theater of the mind. You're going in there. I remember a couple months ago going into the studio, which is in Orlando, and it's 930 on a Monday morning and you're walking in there. It's a dark room and they give you a script and it's, you know, touchdown play touchdowns to win the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden you've just got to, you've just got to step into that mindset. Like, okay, I've got to close my eyes here, so so to speak, and act like I'm calling game winning touchdowns in the Super Bowl. And so I, I would say it's kind of this weird combination of acting and play by play of where you you're not watching anything on the screen, but you just need to bring this game to life. And that's where, you know, and, You've done a lot of games and people listening to this have probably called a lot of games and you're just relying on those experiences. You know, you know what it's like to call a big 50 yard touchdown pass. So put yourself back in that spot, close your eyes, act like you're looking down on the field and envisioning this and go. And and that's, that's what it, that's what it is. So it's that theater of mind that I kind of rely on when I'm in the booth. What's the most awesome thing you've had to record? (laughs) Well, it's amazing the depth and breadth that they're going for every week. I'm still going down there every week to record and we're going over new scenarios. So 
recently, you know, a gamer was complaining because they were in overtime of the Super Bowl and there wasn't a line specific to talking about a kick for a game winning field goal going off the upright. So, you know, we have to go back in there and say, oh, my gosh, can you believe it? A kick that could have won the Super Bowl goes off the right upright, you know, because the commentary now has gotten so specific that people are like, well, wait a minute. Why don't you have a line for this or that? But the reality is you can as much as we try and as much as we try to get those situations covered, you can never fully cover (laughs) every possible thing that can come up in a game. But that was a recent installment of something where I was just saying wow, I can't believe that we're recording something this specific. Yeah. Uh, but it, it kind of runs all over the board. Are there any, like, Easter egg-ish things? Like, if you do something, it'll get you guys to say something? And we've we've tried to do they what the guys at Madden like to call that is pulling back the curtain or blowing down that fourth wall of stuff that just says, well, wait a minute, did they really just say that? So we put in a bunch of, to give you an example, halftime interrupts. You can skip the halftime show by pressing a certain button on your controller. I don't even know what the button is. But if you do that, I will randomly say, oh, like you don't want to watch the halftime show? That's cool. We'll just go to the third quarter. So there's there's (laughs) moments like that where we've tried to surprise them, catching them off guard so it's not so rigid in the commentary. But there's some lighthearted fun moments in there as well. What's it like uh, playing and hearing yourself or for your friends and family to play and hear you? Uh, Yeah, so I don't know about you, but I'm one of those guys who honestly hates to hear himself, always (laughs) has. So when I go back to listen to tapes of games, I do it, but I don't like it. Um, and, and it's the same thing with this video game to me, when I'm watching it, I hear imperfections because the game is stitched together, all those different audio pieces. I'm like, Oh, I would, I wouldn't sound like that on that touchdown pass. Like that was terrible. Um, but I've got a, I've learned over time to just deal with it. I do not have the, I mean, I have a system that they gave me in my, condo here in Atlanta, but I really don't get a chance to play it much. So I have not played the game a whole lot. I, a neat experience for me was being able to give the game when it came out to my nephew. I, you know, I'm not married. I don't have any kids, but my brother has kids and, and my nephew's big into the Madden game. So being able to give him the game and I got to go down there and plug it in and play with him was a, was a really cool, neat experience. That's really cool. That's kind of surreal. I imagine in some ways too. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because you know I remember when you left Georgia Tech um, and it all kind of came out that you were doing all these things um, with Westwood and 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 uh, with Big Ten and obviously Madden. Um, there was the the one article that talked about like the perfect storm that led to your departure from Georgia Tech. Um, so I'm just curious from a standpoint overall, uh, what the last like year year and a half has been like for you professionally and and. Uh, how everything has kind of built up to create that perfect storm and, and what it's been like experiencing that firsthand. Yeah, it's been a blast. I mean, first, when I, before at Georgia Tech, as you know, but I was at Butler and that was my alma mater. And when I got that job in 2010, they were coming off the final, first final four run. And I was like, man, this is my dream job. I feel, I'm so lucky to be here. And then the Georgia Tech thing came about and I thought, 
moving to Atlanta, power five school, being able to do that, that would be an awesome gig. Um, and then the Madden thing came about while I was still at Georgia Tech. So the Madden thing came first and I had actually worked it out with the athletic director, Mike Babinski, to be able to do the Madden thing while still staying at Georgia Tech. And I thought that's what the future was going to look like. And then I had been doing games on the side for Westwood One and their executive producer, Howard Dineroff, who is an awesome guy and amazing talent, has become a wonderful friend, said, you know, I think I've got enough now to where I would like to make you a full time guy. And this was shortly after I had secured the Madden thing. And, and literally that same week the Big Ten Network um, had reached out through the agent that I work with and wanted to to get together to talk about doing a football and basketball and baseball package. And so while it was all great and I felt so blessed to have the opportunities, it was a little overwhelming to try to figure out, A, do I leave Georgia Tech? And B, how do I marry all these things together? Um, I had already committed to the Madden thing. I knew I wanted to work in a bigger capacity with Westwood One. I love that company and, and love working with Howie Dineroff. And then I said, geez, can I make this Big Ten Network thing work? And fortunately was able to. So it was just kind of a strange, lucky scenario where it all kind of, you know, you mentioned earlier the one article saying the perfect storm. It did. It just kind of luckily worked together for me and all those stars aligned do it at the same time it's one of those things too i feel like a lot of people in this industry you think when is that break going to come or when's that next big thing going to come and sometimes it's when you least expect it and then sometimes it's a storm and it just hits you and i just i feel like that's in some ways and this is the outsider kind of looking in and that's why i was curious your perspective uh is just a great example of biding your time cutting your teeth paying your dues getting better 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 and then at the, at the point when maybe you least expect it everything comes together for you absolutely man and i i know you know that but yeah i remember going to my first winter meetings right after i graduated from butler <laughs> back in oh oh six and interviewing and getting a job for a rookie baseball team out in orem utah the orem owls and it's just you get that first break. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get started minor league baseball. Then you, you get the next job and the next job and you're right. And then this, this situation that I was describing where all three things come together for that next step on the ladder. And each time you, I think each step on the ladder makes you appreciate the previous step that much more. Um, and all these things coming together in the most recent scenario for me, it may sound odd, but it has made me appreciate the previous jobs that much more. And it's, it's been uh, so far a, a, a run that I feel very blessed to be on. Take me back to the beginning of that, too. When you got the Butler job, you said you're coming off the first Final Four. Uh, what's it like for you to walk into then that second Final Four, and here's your first year doing it, and you're, you're thrust into a, a, a pretty big spot, and, I mean, you're winding up on SportsCenter a couple of times, and people are really hearing your calls uh, in your first year doing something. Yeah. And what made that so fun was obviously having gone to Butler and I knew, and Brad Stevens was the coach and I knew that he was a special talent that also was going to go on from Butler to do bigger things. And obviously he has now being with the Celtics. So it was kind of this 
oh my goodness, not only am I at my alma mater, we're going to the final four again, and I'm getting to do it with great people. And this guy who I believe one day is going to be looked at as one of the greatest coaches ever in basketball. And I, I still think that that when it's all said and done and his career is over will be the case. So that was just, yeah, I remember when we won the first tournament game on a buzzer beater against Old Dominion. And, and that year, Butler was an eight seed. And it's kind of like you, you win that first game and everyone goes back to the hotel. And you're like, oh, we won a tournament game. How awesome. Like this was on my bucket list. Whatever happens from here is gravy. <laughs> and then you get back to the gym that next game. We were playing top seeded Pittsburgh and it got close at the end. I was like, all right, just let's just win one more. I just want to get to the Sweet 16. You pull it out. You get to the Sweet 16. You're playing Wisconsin. You're like, all right, just one more. I only want to make it to the Elite Eight. Like then I'm happy. And then you get that one, you want to go to the final four and it just kept kind of getting better and better as the tournament went on. But it was, yeah, I mean, being there at the final four in the national championship game, although the final game didn't turn out as we had hoped was it, I, it will forever be one of the top experiences in my broadcast career, no matter what happens from here on out. How much better did you get during that run? I think what, what I learned on that run that I always will poignantly remember is calming my emotions in big games as i go back i don't i haven't done it in a while but when i went back at the time a couple years ago and listened to some of those tapes and big calls i i was too you can i think you can be too into the moment to the point where you are just a little out of control with your enthusiasm and i think at times a little bit of my my Butler, yes, I'm the Butler guy, so I can be biased towards Butler. As you know, being at Ball State, you're supposed to be more excited for Ball State than the opponent. Sure. But in big moments, you can, I think, be a little over the top. And I think at times I did that, and my voice reflected that, was, and it got really wonky. And I think that through those, those tournament games and going back and listening to the highlights, I really started to learn voice control and how to still hit a big moment but not letting your voice get way out of range or out of whack to where it just sounds distorted and bad. So I think that that was kind of a, a key thing for me in development. Well, and then it works out for you, too, because you had no shortage of big moments uh, in Atlanta. So it, it kind of <laughs> helped out in the long run. Yeah, I, it's, it's funny. Someone said to me when I left Georgia Tech, you know, if you look at the calls that you've had, you've just you've been in some good games and that's exactly right like you and I we have no control over what the people on the field or the court do we're just lucky if we're there for a good ending and I have been lucky to be there for a lot of good endings and not only Butler but then Georgia Tech's football team had two of the most historic games in their history during my three years there and I hadn't it's just luck I was in the booths for the call uh, and so again right place right time some of the time this might be a little inside baseball, but uh, what did you learn about voice control uh, and, and how did you get better in that specific area based off of all those experiences? Yep. Uh, it's it's hard to describe, but I have kind of through the through the years and as I was saying specific to that final four run, learned how to be a little bit more talking out of the back of my throat and less nasally in those big moments and also trying to just literally keep my heart rate down and stay calmer because I've noticed that when I get 
too excited and into the games. And I'm, I mean, you're supposed to be that way, but when I'm way too mentally into it, I have found that my voice pitch kind of goes a little higher than I'd like. But if I just say, that's okay, calm down. Yes, it's a big game, but you've got to, you have to convey what's going on to the listener, the viewer. So just take a deep breath. When I do that and I remind myself of that, I find that I am much better and more calm and able to hit that note at the right level, that lower baritone level that really kind of picks the moment up as opposed to just screaming. I try to avoid being a screamer, and I think talking more out of the back of my throat and deeper and being more calm has been helpful. If that, I don't even know if that made any sense. No, but 100%. It, but it kind of makes sense to how it's worked in the development for me. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it it kind of... Hey, hand in hand with that too, uh, the youth thing for you. I, you know, I read the New York Times article. Um, I think it was when you. It, I think they followed you to your first Georgia Tech broadcast. Um, yeah. And they talked a lot about being young, uh, and being in the spot you were in. Uh, how did you? Uh, how do you combat those types of things? How did you kind of work on being able to present yourself as someone older than you are, so to speak, uh, both in professional presentation, but also in voice presentation. Because there are going to be things inherent to the way you sound, the way you talk, uh, where you're going to come across as a 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31 year old, um, and being able to to connect with everybody, even though uh, they might look at you as as the age you are. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess the good news is, and you probably get this too, is when people who have not seen me that maybe have heard a game meet me, they say, Oh wow. You know, I, I thought that you would be 50 and 250 pounds. <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm 32 and 160 pounds. Um, so it wasn't so much, I would say the, the voice that was an issue, but certainly when people meet you or when they look at your resume and see, Oh, you just graduated in 06. Um, Yes. I mean, there is inherently some thoughts of, is he too green? Does he have the experience? And that was an obstacle. And it was a big obstacle when I came to Georgia Tech because Georgia Tech is a football school. And in the South, not, I'm not saying it's only the South, but a lot of times in the South at these traditional football schools, they want a football guy calling their games. Yes, basketball's there too, and that's great. We're, we're good, good. Have fun with basketball. <laughs> but we want to know that you know football and can call football. And coming from Butler, where yeah, I called football, but it was it was non scholarship uh, football. It was different. And so I think that first year was really trying to establish myself and studying hard to make sure that I knew Georgia Tech and its unique offense and all of the things going on in Georgia Tech's rich history to be able to convey to them that, hey, I'm, I'm here to learn and I'm here to bring you the best football broadcast possible. So that, that was the big learning experience for me. And certainly there were some people when I got here replacing someone by the name of West Durham who had built up such a reputation um, that that was a tough go around for the first season. I know you did a lot of video too, and obviously you're doing a lot of TV now also. Uh, did you combat the, you look young um, and, and how do you, are, are there things you do to make, and I mean this as silly as this is going to sound, I mean it seriously, like are there ways that you present yourself that you, you look a little bit older uh, asking for a friend? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, my, my theory with when you're specific, really everywhere, but when you're on camera, especially is my theory is dress sharp. I mean, and, and look, but not sitting here saying that I am the great dresser. I know. No, 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 no. In fact, my sister has to help me with a lot of my outfits as pathetic as that is. <laughs> but my, my theory is 
look sharp. I mean, I, I know that sometimes, and believe me, I've been there. Finances can be tough to go out and buy a nice suit and do that. My first job, I was making $500 a month in, in minor league baseball. So I get it. But I, I like to have a couple nice suits that are really good fitting and a pocket square and a nice powerful tie that pops. I think that when you look sharp on camera, it helps to combat your youth. And I think we're seeing a lot of examples that are guys that are younger than me. And I'll use the example. I know, you know, him, Adam Amin mm. uh, is one example that pops in mind of a guy that's in his twenties. that's just killing it at ESPN always dresses sharp, always looks the part. And even though he's young and you can look and see that, you just respect, you're like, wow, that guy's polished. And I think that's, that's the best word is you want to, when you're on camera, say, wow, he might be young, but he's polished and he's a mover and a shaker. And, and I see that in young guys like Adam. And because of guys like him, I think it's really becoming a young man's game. We're seeing more and more fresh faces on these networks because of all these games and airtime that has to be filled that are younger and younger. And, and uh, I think Adam's a great example of that. Yeah, he owns, I feel like he owns Joseph A. Bank. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love his Facebook post where he's like, these are my seven suits today. Which one should I wear? <laughs> Which one should I wear? Right. I was like, yeah. whichever one you don't, I'll take. Um <laughs> Uh, the the uh, the physical act of play-by-play, I kind of want to get into uh, a little bit of some of that more with you, too. Um, from the standpoint of you do both, from a television and radio uh, perspective now as well, uh, wh- what's it like for you flipping back and forth and yeah, uh, so, knowing and, where you and are this, and, and working it? Yep, and this is really my first year. Like, I had done some television, but this is my first year of doing the, okay, today I'm on TV, next day I'm on the radio. And... Thankfully, I'm not going to say it's been easy because it hasn't, but it hasn't been as difficult as I thought it would be. Um, and and I and I equate that to just really when I watch games, and I'm sure you do the same on television. I am an active listener. I'm not a passive listener. I am paying attention to what the guys say, when they lay out, what they accent, um, the the times where they just let the game breathe without saying anything, and so. In doing so over the last four or five years of saying, you know, I would like to try TV. I'm going to really pay attention to these announcers and what makes that craft different than radio. It has helped me translate a little better onto the screen. And I just have to remember and I remind myself before every game on the radio. All right. There's no picture. You can't say and and down on the bottom of your screen or and he and as you know, he's running right. You know, can't say anything like that. The listener's completely vulnerable. Give the time and score. Make sure you're setting up up every play yada 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 and then for television i I view it as you know the picture is there it's it's your job to put it in high definition and so you still that doesn't mean that you just completely lay out but they want to hear excitement in your voice at the right times but you don't have to describe every little nuance and so i just remind myself of that and i'm really for, for television, what I found out is that analyst has to do a lot of the heavy lifting and let them get in their points where they want, let them draw on the telestrator, let them do their thing. And when it's your time to come in and accent and describe what's going on, do so with limited words. Try to say less with more or wait, wait, try to say more with less. There we go. <laughs> How about that? Try to say more with less. And and, and that's that's what I'm, I'm trying to remind myself when I do those TV games. What's that process been like for you and trying to figure out because the be times where you know I'll do a game on TV and you'll you'll lay out and just kind of sit there in silence and watch a little bit and then you'll contrast that with being an active listener and kind of going home and flipping on ESPN and 
and sometimes there'll be more talking and they'll and just trying to figure out exactly what's what, what's right. I know everybody's got different opinions on things. Uh, what have you found has worked for you in terms of when to talk uh, and how much to talk? Yeah, I think the hardest part actually is in basketball when there is a long possession going on and the ball is just moving around. Because on radio, you would say Johnson and over to Davis on the high right, he brings it up to the top of the key. But in basketball, when there so many passes and movement are going on in one possession, it's kind of like, okay, do I keep do I keep saying where the ball's moving or do I just kind of back up and say, and they're up three and looking for more? I think that's kind of been the hardest thing, and it's a gray area. A lot of different guys do it differently. Um, but that's an anomaly. That doesn't happen a whole lot. Usually the possessions are quick, and I always – describe the shot. Uh, but I try to vary it. You know, sometimes if a three pointer, I, I'll say Davis from the corner. And if it goes in, I won't even say anything. I just let the picture in the crowd cheer. And, and, but sometimes I'll say Davis from the corner and he got it, you know? So I try to just vary it up and make it so that it's not the same thing every play. And I think with TV, since you don't say as much, finding different ways to say it's good or he got it or from downtown. I think that that that's important. And I try to do that as well. And then, you know, the letting it breathe moments are obviously more on television. And I had Penn state, Minnesota in week, gosh, I don't remember week five, six, somewhere in there. And it was at Penn state. It was an overtime. And I, I thought it was going to be a big finish. And I just reminded myself, if this ends on a big play, Brandon lay out, and it did. Uh, Penn State at home and first play of overtime after Minnesota kicked a field goal. Penn State handed it off to their running back, Saquon Barkley, and he ran it straight up the middle into the end zone. And the place went nuts. And I just said, and he gets it to Barkley, cuts it inside. Barkley, touchdown. As soon as I said touchdown, I said, do not talk until this crowd starts to die down. And so and thankfully, I remembered and I did that. And we didn't have anything being said for 48 seconds. And then the analyst came in and said, what a play and broke it down. Uh, but that was a good moment for me going back and watching it, just seeing that I think that that was the right decision. And had I not reminded myself of that, I probably would have kept going with the call and talked over the crowd and the celebration. So I'm really trying to remind myself in those big moments just to let it breathe. How much do you still watch back? Uh, I mean, with the amount of games you do, how much of a chance do you get to do that? And then uh, what are you looking for most when you do that? Yeah, it's it's hard right now, as you know, with the crossover season going on and the mm -hmm. trips to Orlando for the mad thing. But I do download or, or DVR uh, one or both the games that I've done. And right now, I'm since I've done more radio than television and I don't have a lot of time, I'm trying to focus more on watching back for TV. So I have watched back the games that I have done for basketball and then the ones that I did for football for Big Ten Network. Big thing I'm watching for is what we're talking about. Am I talking at the right times? Am I talking too much? And then the other key thing that I think is more important for television, am I listening to my analyst? Because I think we all get so caught up on, okay, I said that, what am I saying next? Where's that stat I was looking for? What's the storyline on that guy? And then I'm not listening to what the guy next to me is saying. And, oh, no, what did he just say? Am I going to say something that completely contradicts or goes on top of what he just said? So I have really tried to focus on going back and saying, Brandon, was your conversation with the analyst a conversation 
or was it just fragments of you not paying attention and you addressing whatever you wanted to say? Because I really think a conversation is important to have in a telecast even more so than radio. Last thing I, I want to hit on with you, and I'll, I'll let you go on this note because I don't want to take too much more of your time. Um, uh, you mentioned agents earlier, uh, so I'm just curious what it's been like working with one, um, what what that relationship is kind of like at this uh, at this level in this profession, and and uh, how that whole process uh, works. Yeah, it's um, you know a process that by no means am I a master of, and just like everybody else, I was trying to feel it out. I did not have one until, gosh, just over a year ago. It was it was when I got the Madden thing. The Madden thing came to be on my own, um, and I knew that Westwood One might be in the mix as well. And I just thought, because I, I struggle with money discussions, not that I don't know how to negotiate. I just don't want to be seen as greedy or looking for more. And, and bottom line is, I didn't know the industry standards for pay in certain areas, especially with things like video games and new contracts for a national radio network. So I just thought, and everyone was encouraging me to say, you know, you should probably get representation. And so that's when I began to look into it and was fortunate to find a guy by the name of Maury Gosfriend in New York, who is spectacular. And what I liked about him is that he, he didn't have a typical agent feel. He was just a very nice straight shooter, honest person, um, and felt very comfortable with him. So, you know, I didn't, I was going to go along without it. Um, and I didn't really see the need for it. And then everyone said, you know, with these couple things coming in, I think that it would probably be good just to have somebody in your corner to go over the contracts and stuff. And, and fortunately, Maury's been great with that. Do you get feedback from them? Do they, or is it more a financial type deal or how does, what's it like? Yeah, no, they're great with feedback as well. And great with, with all the scheduling of saying, yeah, you know, you might not want to do that game because you've got this game and that could conflict. And uh, I think you're pushing yourself too hard right now. Why don't you not take that game and give yourself a weekend off? So he's been great with career guidance, uh, with also just being someone to listen when, when I've had some issues with, with various gigs. And so uh, it, it's, it's kind of a combination of everything. And, and I don't know that that's true for every agent. And this is the only one that I've worked with, but Maury's been a breath of fresh air because he's been a friend and an agent. And that's really what I was looking for. Many thanks as always to Brandon Gauden joining us here on play by play cast episode number 26 by the way, if you just got finished with the episode and you said, gosh, I want more of this, uh, if you haven't heard all of the previous 25, they are all archived on iTunes, on Stitcher. We are now on Google Play as well, so you can find them all there, uh, free and available to you. I uh, got some really good feedback on the Matt Park conversation from last week. For those of you uh, prep wonks out there, I'll be honest, I never thought of it. Matt talked about the way he just keeps his charts for basketball particular. Uh, I used to just keep my own running score. I never thought about different markings for what kind of shot it was. Last couple of basketball games I've done, I've had an X for a two, one line for a free throw, and a circle for a three, and my gosh, does it make it easier to do quick math in a lot of different ways. So uh, I got something from that. Hopefully some folks out there in the podcast uh, netherworld did as well. Another great guest coming up next week. I would be lying if I told you who it is because we haven't taped it yet. But much more coming here on Play by Playcast. If you'd like to be that guest, shout me out. We got a week. Uh, let me know. Uh, thanks as always for clicking subscribe, download. Uh, we'd mentioned it off the top. We'll mention it here, though, again, as uh, Marshmallow is playing us out. But 
if you like the podcast, please leave us a rating or review. Certainly appreciate it. Uh, tell somebody about it. Uh, probably appreciate that more. Uh, but help spread the word about uh, the, the play-by-play cast and what we've got going on here. Thanks, as always, for your listenership. We will see you back here next Friday morning when we'll drop episode 27 of Play-by-play cast. Yeah, we're